Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you are a pre-PA, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. We are so excited to host Ruth Balweg, a past program director of the University of Washington PA program and an author. She's amazing, and we can't wait to interview her, but before we get started, we have something really exciting to tell you about. If you're trying to get into PA school but feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or not sure how to even begin, we totally get it. We've been there and seen so many candidates either delay applying to PA school or run out of time and rush through their application, or worse yet, make big mistakes on their cast the application that cost them an interview. Through our years of teaching at PA programs, we have seen applicants make the same huge mistakes over and over, and we don't want that to be you. If you dream of becoming a physician assistant, we want to help you achieve that dream. And without wasting your time, money, or emotional health, you can absolutely become a PA and there's no such thing as a perfect application. It's all about making sure you don't make the mistakes we've seen and making sure you do the things that make you stand out from the crowds. We will teach you exactly how in our application to acceptance course. Check it out in the show notes or at go.prepaclinic.com slash course. Again, show notes or go.prepaclinic.com slash course. And now on today's episode with Ruth. Well, okay. Ruth, we are so excited to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. To get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background leading up to becoming a PA. Yes, it started when I was five. <laughs> So I was growing up in Southern Oregon, because uh, I'm originally from Ashland in Missouri, and it was the polio epidemic, and so 1949, and my dad was a pilot and a control tower operator there, and people were dying, literally dying, to get to the nearest iron lungs, which were 300 miles to Portland or 400 miles to San Francisco, so he started America's first not-for-profit air ambulance system, I was five, due with raising money from the community. But all the pilots were World War II pilots. And so I grew up in an airport with all those pilots. And much of the time I was, by the way, the entertainment. <laughs> um, I, had, I had to learn to drive in front of all these pilots. I had to learn how to change the oil in my car. I had to learn how to change tires anyway. Um, but also I flew, I flew a lot. With these, on these, they raised money from the community for the for the airplanes, and it was it was a really exciting community project. But having been involved in medicine at that point, I felt like that was a permanent thing. Later on, I had thought about going to medical school, but my family couldn't afford for me to do that, so I became a social worker, and then I became uh, a, a simultaneously a childbirth educator a breastfeeding counselor, and a sexually transmitted disease counselor. <laughs> so all those things. And uh, then I became a mom. But anyway, so as I was nursing my new first daughter, my, my first child, was when that famous Look article came out about PAs that had Julie Andrews on the cover. And I was nursing her in the middle of the night, and here was about PAs, and I thought, oh, my God, that's what I need to be. And seven years later, I was in PA school at the University of Washington. It's funny how things work out, isn't it? Yeah, no, it really is. That's super interesting. So you must have been one of their first classes, I would assume. I was, yeah. I was in, so I went to PA school in, let's say, 1976, I 
the Duke first class was graduated in 1969 and Maddox entered their first class in 1969. So I was one of the first PA, women PAs in Oregon, I was, and actually one of the first women PAs in general on the West Coast, because as you know, the original PAs were all um, military corpsmen, which is of course a wonderful thing about our history. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so I went back, I, I was living in Ashland when I went to PA school, and uh, my husband and his kids stayed in Ashland while I went to PA school, and then I came back to Ashland, which is a theater and artsy-fartsy town, and I was there for three or four years. Then I went up to Bremerton, which is in Washington, military town, worked in, in the public health department. As a matter of fact, at the time that AIDS was just emerging as a problem, I had the perfect job. You'll laugh. I did a different thing every day. So I did sexually transmitted diseases one day, immigrant health the next day. All the Vietnamese people had just come over. Jail health the next day. Family planning the next day. And uh, pediatrics the next day. So doesn't that sound like a perfect job? We knew you were really cool, but we didn't realize we were talking to a trailblazer for our profession. Like how much you've seen since our since our profession has started. Well, thank you, and that was the best part about it, actually. I mean, it was in some ways it was lonely because there weren't that many of us. But on the other hand, when we look back, we were constantly. I think all of us were constantly pushing the envelope of new roles we might do. How did we interact with the licensing board? How did we get how, how did we get more? I guess that, that would be it. In, a, in the most charming way. So things haven't changed, have they? I don't think so. <laughs> but um, anyway, and, then, and from there I went to work at the University of Washington uh, on the faculty. Because even when I was a student, I kept thinking, you know, I could make this better. And little did I know I'd have a chance to do that because I was the director of the medics program for 29 years. Wow. So you have seen PA education change so drastically. You know, it started as kind of an associate's degree way back when, and now it's a master's. So can you talk a little bit about right. your kind of PA education and how it's changed? Well, I think it's changed. Uh, first of all, it became longer. The programs are originally much shorter than they are now. And then, of course, they and, and they didn't offer... Uh, uh, degrees to begin with, any kind of degree. And then they offered bachelor's, and now, of course, they have master's degrees. But also, I think our visibility within the community grew. So, for example, in, in just to talk about Washington State and the medics program, the founder of the medics program, Dr. Richard Smith, was a very famous person. He uh, was one of the... He, African-American guy, went to Howard University. By the way, was also a jazz pianist and a nightclub performer, just to make it more interesting. Uh, yeah. But anyway, why not? Anyway, and um, was involved in the Peace Corps. He was also, uh, he was a, one of the first docs in the Peace Corps in Africa. And then he, when he came back, he was assigned, Medicare had just been passed, the Medicare laws and so forth. And it turned out in order to uh, receive Medicare, a hospital could no longer be segregated. And most hospitals were segregated. In other words, that there were 
people of the same race couldn't be in, of the di of different races couldn't be in the same room. Uh, also, the worst thing was that uh, black nurses weren't allowed to take orders from white doctors. I anyway, mean, it was horrible. So Dick was assigned by Linda Johnson to integrate the U.S. hospital system. Can you imagine? Wow, and talk about a hard job. <laughs> I know, and, and and Lyndon Johnson, when he called him to his office, he said, "But you're gonna, you're, we're gonna make a big political deal of this. You're going to, we're going to announce this in Lady Bird Johnson's hometown in Texas." So he flew <laughs> in there. He was met by seven state, uh, seven state troopers, uh, pickups with state troopers in with guns. And when he was interviewed, he said they were there to protect you. And he said, I don't think so. Anyway, one of the most charming men you've ever met in your entire life. And after he came to Med came out to Seattle and created medics, then he uh, worked in creating PA-like roles in 67 countries in the United States. Some fascinating history. The other thing he did was that he, in creating the medics program, he said, well, we have to get the physicians on our side, and so um, the Washington State Medical Association had lots of rural doctors that were burning out. So uh, when they chose the first class of medics, guess who the interviewers were? They were the board of directors for the State Medical Association. Is that cool? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so there was just this support from the very beginning that he he was the ultimate politician. Uh, he died probably seven or eight years ago. But, um, yeah, well, what was interesting was that these people, Gene Stead, that founded the Duke program, and Dick Smith and other similar physician founders, were you didn't want to mess with those people. I tell you, they were the best politicians. I had the opportunity to meet most of them. And um, they really cared about access, and they were very interested, and they were plotting constantly with each other. So how fun was that? So then uh, I was in class 10. There weren't any women in the medics program until class 8. And uh, and that was an interesting issue because, of course, the first the first PAs were all military corpsmen returning from Vietnam. And, and uh, then even some of the first women were nurses. Anyway, the men weren't quite sure how to uh, deal with us because I think they... And these are these are guys that well, like Ken Harvard, you gotta love them, right? <laughs> but they, and I'm not saying that was his point of view, but this is a pretty strong macho uh, career. And how were they going to deal with us? Well, of course, the answer was we had to drink them under the table, right? you know. So, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying I did this, but yes, I am. Anyway, so we had to work hard to get them to accept us because they. They thought we were going to be, well, they they thought we would be of the nursing culture and very judgmental of them, which, of course, is not the case. And um, so there you go. That is so interesting. But at least you got a, good, a couple good stories there. No, that was, that was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So when, during this time, did you write your book, The Physician Assistant, A Guide to Clinical Practice? Like, when did you write your book, and, and what inspired you to write it? Well, so what was interesting was that there was no textbook for PAs, and that was a problem. I mean, it kept us from growing. 
kept, I, I don't think the number of new programs would have expanded it without this book because people didn't know what they were supposed to teach, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just speaking generally. So the book came out in 1994, but we had been working on it for several years. And how it happened was that I was at a PA conference, I think it was in Chicago. And uh, at that time, you know how those conferences are, they have vendors and people selling things, including book people and so forth. So anyway, it turned out that the woman who represented the um, W.B. Saunders slash Elsevier, which was the number one book company, she was manning a booth downstairs in this conference. And the PAs, you know, bless their hearts, they kept coming up to her and saying, so why don't we have a PA textbook? She said, shit, I don't know. Anyway, then she'd say, well, so who should I get to do this? And I don't know who these people were that said it, but they all said, Ruth Baldwick, you should go find her. So she looked me up in the hotel and um, took me out to dinner and convinced me to be the editor of this book. And then I got two more people, Sherry Stolberg from Philadelphia and Ed Sullivan from Texas to join that. And as you probably know, the seventh edition has just come out and I don't know if you've noticed they've changed the title so I uh, said well, you know I've done I've edited this book for seven years please dear God I don't want to do it again and so I went to the meeting we were working in the meeting and I in the book and I was still working out and they said well the WB Saunders company has a way of dealing with that and that is that they for somebody who's very senior, they name the book after them. So the new seventh edition is no longer called Physician Assistant, a guide to clinical practice. It's called Ruth Baldwick's Physician Assistant, Guide to Clinical Practice. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. I love it. I love it. That is absolutely fantastic. And I never have really thought about like who made the first textbook for PAs, but you're right, you know that uh -huh. telling people what to teach that had a huge impact in increasing our profession. Uh, so that's really fantastic. You've done so much. Well, I mean, well, who would have known? I mean, all of them are kind of situational. Like, I wasn't looking for that opportunity, and nor was I looking for the opportunity for the book to be renamed after me. But on the other hand, you know, some of the major medical textbooks are that way. So I'm hoping by the fact that this has happened, that future PA textbooks, not just that one, but others, will have the PA names on them because I think... It, it creates a level of validity that, that we never guessed we would have, you know. And, of course, the point of the book was, so, so anyway, the three of us got together, Sherry Stolberg and uh, Ed Sullivan, and we asked them to send us to a, to a retreat center in Florida, and we spent a week working on this, calling people up, because we thought we should, the, this will be a better book, not regardless of whether it sells better, but the, but the more participation it has from as many programs as possible. First of all, they'll want to buy it, right, for their students or sell it. And um, so that's kind of, if, if you notice, it has lots of authors from, and over the seven years, some changes, but some, some same people. And I, then I would get, what was cool was I would get emails and letters and thank you cards from PAs around the country saying, oh, my God, thank you. We didn't have a book, so we weren't real. You know, we weren't legitimate. And how cool was that, don't you think? But I didn't try to do it, you know what I'm saying? It happened. Sure. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes you you are where you're meant to be and doors open and then, again, things you couldn't have even thought of even years right. before. And, you know, you're in the right place for a reason. We firmly believe that. So you've left such a huge legacy just all the things you've done. Don't forget to jump over to the show notes to take advantage of the awesome Pacers membership. You not only get weekly PA shadowing hours and a database of shadowing hour replays that you can add to CASPA, you also get coaching intensives with us to make you a stronger applicant and lots more. You can sign up in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we are so happy you are here and to help you get accepted to PA school. We will catch you at the next episode.